Welcome to another inspiring message recorded at Rivers Church. Good evening, church. <laughs> it's so good to be home. So good to be home. I have two homes, which is really cool. And I just want to bring greetings from your Belito fam. We had a fantastic morning in the house. We also had classic worship. So I've done two services of classic worship. Then I got on a plane and flew here and did another service of classic worship. And you know what? I can't get enough. You can never get enough of the presence of God. Amen. Are you ready for the word this evening? I think you're going to be responsive. It sounds like you're going to be responsive. I want to give you full permission to say, preach it, white boy, or preach it, Belito boy, or whatever it is to help me preach this evening, because I only have 25 minutes, apparently, and time ticketh exceedingly quicketh. So come on, let's commit this time to the Lord. Father God, we thank you for this time that we have together. Lord, we thank you for what you've already done tonight. But God, we open our hearts to receive, and I pray that as we look to your word this evening, that you would speak into every single heart. Lord, we don't just want to go through the motions this evening. We don't just need to hear another sermon. We need to have an encounter with you. We know that when we get into your presence, everything changes. So Lord, I pray that you would strengthen us, you would shift something in us, inspire us, equip us, and enlarge us this evening. And we ask this in the mighty, mighty name of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen, amen and amen. You can take your seat this evening. You know, in the 1980s, Japan was considered a standout nation. Their products were made with greater efficiency, higher quality. They were able to make their products much cheaper than other nations. And as a result, they stood head and shoulders above all the other manufacturing nations. In fact, the Japanese national motto was constant improvement. But by 1990, sadly, Japan had lost their edge. Other nations like Korea, <laughs> China, they had upped their game. And they were on a par, if not better, than Japan. And as a result, Japan entered into a decade of recession where they showed 0% growth. And they were no longer a standout nation. Do you know how easy it is to go from being a person who's a standout person or running a standout company or being part of a standout church to showing 0% growth or to being someone who, who was known for their passion, they had a standout passion, they were on fire for God, to being someone who is spiritually stagnant. See, God has called us to be standout people. He hasn't called us to be average. He's called us to be the head and not the tail. He's called us to be salt and light. And in 1 Samuel 9, we read about a, a man who literally stood head and shoulders above everyone else. 1 Samuel 9, you can read with me on the screen. It says, there was a man from the tribe of Benjamin named Kish, and he had a son, Saul, a most handsome young man. There was none finer. You say, well, that sounds awesome. He's good looking. But not only that, it says he literally stood head and shoulders above the crowd. God doesn't want us to be part of the crowd. He doesn't want us to be lost in the crowd. He wants us to rise above the crowd. And so this evening, in the few minutes that I have left, I want to speak to you about rising above 
the crowd. Rising above the crowd. The, the crowd speaks of common. The crowd speaks of average. It speaks of most people. The crowd speaks of the pattern of this world. And when the Bible speaks about the world, it's not referring to the earth. When it says the world, it's talking about a word that means cosmos or eon, which is a system or a way of thinking. It's an age or an era, and you and I are not meant to think like the pattern of this world. We're not meant to have worldly thinking. We're not meant to subscribe to crowd thinking or the crowd of this era. We're meant to rise above it. Romans 12 and verse 2 is a very well-known passage of Scripture that speaks about this very thing. It says, do not be conformed to this world, this age, fashioned after and adapted to its external superficial customs. In other words, the world is chasing after things that really have no eternal value. And you and I aren't meant to do that. It says, but be transformed or changed by the entire removal, renewal of your mind by its new ideals and its new attitude. I don't know about you, but I struggle with attitude. I gotta ask the Lord to deal with me when it comes to my attitude. As a follower of Christ, I know it's very hard, but you and I are called to have a new attitude. You know, when Pastor Claire and I got back from Australia recently, we had to take three planes to get home. We flew from Adelaide where Pastor Andre was preaching. We had to get up at four o'clock in the morning. Then our flight was delayed. As a result, we got off our flight and we, and we ran from one plane. Well, we went to duty free quickly. And then we ran onto the other plane. And then we flew 15 hours home. And then I used to just be able to say, cool, I'm home. Now I have to get my luggage and I have to go and check it in. And I have that dreaded flight from Johannesburg to Durban. And so by the time we got to the baggage carousel at King Sharker Airport in Durban, we were pretty much ready to go home. We'd had enough. But the luggage was taking a little bit too long. And so as people gathered around, a crowd gathered we heard a noise behind that rubber curtain thingy. And someone said, oh, it's my bag. Then another guy said, no, it's my bag. Then a person said, no, no, it's definitely my bag. Then a strap came out of a bag with no bag. <laughs> then a tog bag came out. Who checks in a tog bag? A tog bag came out, it'd been opened. And then everyone, ooh. Next thing you know, there are about 10 people standing in front of us and they're all dropping comments. Oh, typical, oh, this country, oh, this airline, this airport, and on and on it went. And you know when people have a good old moan in public, have you noticed that they always try to get you in on it? <laughs> How these oaks, eh? And I just turned away from Pastor Claire and I said to her, I don't, I don't wanna have any, anything to do with this. I was very tempted because I just spent 10 days in a first world country where everything works, where they even clean the escalators, where people are polite and friendly and they're patient when you're paying for a coffee with shrapnel and you keep going, sorry, I don't understand, sorry, sorry. Oh, you're all right, mate, take your time. I'm like, what world am I living in? But I was very tempted, but I realized in that moment, no, no, I'm called to have a different attitude. I'm not meant to have the attitude of this world. That's a crowd mentality. That just goes along with whatever's happening. I wanna ask you this evening, what influence does the crowd have on you? The crowd at work, 
or at school or varsity, the crowd within your own family, the crowd on social media, or the crowd around the baggage carousel. Do you know that Jesus had crowds following after him? But he wasn't impressed or influenced by the crowds. Look what it says in Luke 14 and verse 25. As massive crowds followed Jesus, he turned to them and said, when you follow me as my disciple, you must put aside your father, your mother, your wife, your sisters, your brothers, your dogs, your cats, your donkeys. Yes, you will even seem as though you hate your own life. But this is the price you'll pay to be considered one of my followers. And anyone who comes to me must be willing to share my cross and experience it as his own, or he cannot be considered to be my disciple. Another translation says, anyone who comes after me. A true follower of Jesus is someone that pursues him, who comes after him, who chases after him. And you and I can think, man, Jesus is a bit hectic because, you know, he's, he's so cut and dry. But Jesus wasn't looking for average. He wasn't looking for most people because Jesus understood that average, common, most people will never change the world. And there are a lot of people in the crowd, they, they, they like Jesus. They're fans of Jesus. There are a lot of people in the kingdom crowd, at every church and at every rally, there are people in the crowd who are just fans of Jesus. They think he's awesome. They admire him. He's up there with Gandhi and Nelson Mandela. And they know all about Jesus. And they have a t-shirt with his name on it. But they don't really know him. You know, you can know all about someone without actually knowing them. At the Hillsong Conference, I got to spend time with people I actually know. Pastors and leaders and worship leaders and songwriters, people that actually recognize me and know my name. We really know each other. But then there are other people that I just think I know. And there I am sitting a few seats away and I'm like, why isn't he smiling at me? <laughs> and then I realized because he doesn't know you. Just because I know where he likes to have coffee and where he surfs, and what his home looks like, and that his kid just had a birthday, and I've heard his jokes, and I've heard him preach, doesn't mean that I know him. And I think there are a lot of people who are just fans of Jesus. They've gotten close, but they've never reached out and touched him. If we're gonna rise above the crowd, we need to be more than just fans. We need to get off the bleachers and onto the field where the true followers are found. Now this evening, I wanna read Two passages of scripture, one from Luke 8 and one from Matthew 9, because it speaks about the crowd, and I think that we can learn something from it this evening. Are you ready? Because time ticketh exceedingly. Amen. Reading from verse 40, it says, When Jesus returned to Galilee, the crowds were overjoyed, for they had been waiting for him to arrive. Just then a man named Jairus, the leader of a local Jewish congregation, fell before Jesus' feet. He desperately begged him to come and heal his 12-year-old daughter, his only child, because she was at the point of death. Jesus started to go with him to his home to see her, but a large crowd surrounded him. In the crowd that day was a woman who suffered greatly for 12 years from slow bleeding. Even though she had spent all that she had on healers, she was still suffering. Pressing in through the crowd, she came up behind Jesus and touched the tassel of his prayer shawl. Instantly, her bleeding stopped and she was healed. And then Jesus famously says, who touched me? And the disciples are like, are you mad? Are you mental? Everybody's touching you. 
Verse 47 says, when the woman realized she couldn't hide any longer, she came and fell trembling at Jesus' feet. Before the entire crowd, she declared, I was desperate to touch you, Jesus, for I knew that if I could just touch even the fringe of your robe, I would be healed. And Jesus responded, beloved daughter, your faith in me has released your healing. You may go with my peace. While Jesus was still speaking to the woman, someone from Jairus' house came and told him, there's no need to bother the master any further. Your daughter has passed away. She's gone. Matthew 9 and verse 23 says, when Jesus finally entered the home of the Jewish leader, he saw a noisy crowd of mourners wailing and playing a funeral dirge. It's like a, a funeral march on their flutes. He told them, you must leave, for the little girl is not dead. She is asleep. Then everyone began to ridicule him, because that's what the crowd often does. They want to ridicule us for our beliefs and for our faith. After he made the crowd go outside, he went into the girl's room and gently took hold of her hand. She immediately stood to her feet. Let's look at a few ways in which you and I can rise above the crowd this evening. Number one, if you want to rise above the crowd, you first have to push through the crowd. The woman with the issue of blood had to push through the crowd that surrounded her in order to encounter Jesus. And there were so many reasons why she shouldn't even leave the house. She had issues. Her issue of blood kept her at home. It had depleted her finances. I've heard people in Belito say, but I didn't have any petrol. Can't come to church. She was isolated from family. She was isolated from society. She was considered unclean. In fact, when she went out in public, she'd have to say, unclean, 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 because if she touched someone, they too would become unclean. In fact, the reason why she falls at Jesus' feet trembling is because she thought that she was going to get executed for this terrible thing that she did. Yet she takes the risk. She doesn't just leave her house and stay in the crowd. She pushes through the crowd. And you and I, church, we're surrounded by a crowd. Every time you turn on the radio, every time you go to work, at school, when you listen to the news, when you go on social media, you are, you are surrounded by a crowd, cosmos, eon, a way of thinking. And the question is, will you push through it or will you allow your issues to keep you in the crowd? If you want to rise above the crowd, you've got to push through the crowd. Number two, the second thing you must do is ignore the crowd. Both Jesus and Jairus had to ignore the crowd. Jesus wants to go to Jairus' house. What happens? The crowd gets in his way. Then the crowd comes and says to, G to Jairus, don't bother, she's dead, baby. And then Jesus gave him a bro hug and they parted ways. No. They both continued to the house. And then when they get to the house, the crowd is there. Everywhere you go, there's a crowd. And the crowd's noisy. And Jesus throws them out. In one translation, he says, Jesus says this, go away. And you and I are going to seem very unspiritual, but there are going to be times in our lives when we're surrounded by the crowd and that crowd is going to be detrimental to our faith, and we're going to have to say, go away. Because Jesus knew, Jesus knew if that crowd was given a voice in that house, faith would be replaced with fear and the finality of that girl's death. You see, church, the crowd is always loud. It always has an opinion. It's always negative. It doesn't offer any solutions like the people around the baggage carousel. It's filled with hopelessness, and it's filled with unbelief. 
And you and I have to ignore the voice of the crowd or we'll never step into all that God has for us. Listen, if we allow the crowd to rule us, we'll stay dead, we'll stay lame, we'll stay bleeding, we'll stay silent, and listen, church, we'll stay at home. Because there are a lot of people in the crowd saying, are you going to church again? What do you, what, don't you just watch Life by Design? I mean, what, what, what do you mean you go to church? What about church of the air? I call it church of the underwear because you can stay at home in your jocks and you don't have to sing and you don't have to, to connect with anyone and you don't have to serve and you don't have to contribute. Don't listen to the voice of the crowd, even if it seems hip and happening. You know what Pastor Andre once said this, home isn't just where you eat. And many people go from home to home just eating. Home is where you build. Put down roots and begin to build, and I promise you, you will flourish. Number three, time ticketh. Number three, find a way past your limitations. The crowd will always remind you of the reality, the facts, your limitations. And, and, and you shouldn't be blind to them, but you need to find a way past them if you're going to rise above the crowd. In Luke 19, we read about a man who was limited he had a limitation. He was vertically challenged. Verse 1 says, Then Jesus entered and walked through Jericho. There was a man there. His name Zacchaeus. You guessed it. The head tax man and quite rich. He wanted desperately to see Jesus, but the crowd was in his way. He was a short man and couldn't see over the crowd. Do you know what, church? If you and I don't desperately seek after Jesus, if we don't continually seek after him, you know what will happen? We'll stay spiritually short. And when you're spiritually short, all you can see is the perspective of the crowd. You'll never see above the crowd to all that God has for you. And the word says, so he ran on ahead and climbed up a sycamore tree so he could see Jesus when he came by. So he ran. That shows a seriousness. He was being very deliberate about seeing Jesus. And then he climbed a blossoming tree, one translation says, a blossoming fig tree. Do you know what he did? He found something fruitful that could elevate his life. And I want to encourage you this evening, this church is something fruitful that can elevate your life if you allow it to. If you want to keep rising, you've got to keep running and you've got to keep climbing. Number four, I hope you're being helped this evening. I'm trying to go quickly. Get around the right people. You know, when I, was, when I was growing up and I was rude and disrespectful to my parents, they used to say, it's that crowd you're hanging out with. See, you and I got to get around the right people. Zacchaeus wanted to get around Jesus. And he didn't have his life in order, far from it, but he knew if I could just see Jesus, if I could just have an encounter with him, I think my situation might change. I think he might impact me, this Jesus. And out of the crowd... Jesus engages with the one who so desperately wants to see him. And he says, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. And so Jesus spends time with Zach. And you know what happens? All of a sudden, Zacchaeus realizes just how small his life really is. He realizes just how small his world has been. He's a small person living a small life. And look what he goes on to say in verse 8. He says, it says, Zacchaeus stood in front of the Lord and said, half of all that I own, I'll give to the poor. And Lord, if I've cheated anyone, I promise to pay back four times as much. Do you know the law only required twice as much? 
But he was so impacted by being around the right person, being around a bigger person, that he was not prepared to do the bare minimum. And that's what happens when you and I get around the right people. Small people will keep you in the crowd. Large people will help you rise. But listen to this. Big people will often tell you what you don't want to hear. And I think we live in an age where many people, they want their in-house press or they want their cheerleading squad. But here's the thing. If the people in your circle only ever tell you how awesome you are, you're awesome. No, no, you're awesome. No, no, you're more awesome. No, you're awesome. No, you're awesome. And they never ever challenge you and push you and help you rise above, maybe it's time to find another circle. If you want to rise above the crowd, you need to get around the right people. And number five, do what most people don't do. Zacchaeus paid back four times as much. You know, if that was you or I, we'd probably be like, how much? Is that with or without, with or without interest? Can I pay it off? No, no, he wasn't prepared to do what most people did. Can, can I encourage you? Don't be most people. I don't want to work with most people. I don't want to serve with most people. Most people come late. Most people are sloppy. Most people steal paper from the office. Just look straight ahead this evening. In church, don't be most people. Amen? Most people make it about themselves. And they, most people are unresponsive. Most people don't serve. Don't be most people. Do what most people don't do if you want to rise above the crowd. I love what Paul says about Timothy in Philippians 2 and verse 20. Now, this, this is what we should aspire to. He says, I have no one quite like Pastor 80. I have no one quite like Timothy. He is loyal and genuinely concerned for you. Most people around here are looking out for themselves with little concern for the things of Jesus. Be a standout person by doing what other people aren't prepared to do. It's so practical. Just go to work and do what other people aren't prepared to do. Pick up that bit of rubbish on the floor. Stay, come early, stay late. I promise you, you'll begin to rise above the crowd. The woman with the issue of blood, she, did, she didn't do what most people would do. Most people would have stayed at home. Zacchaeus didn't do what everybody else was doing. He ran ahead and climbed a tree. And as a result, Jesus responded immediately. She touched the hem of his robe, instant healing. Zacchaeus climbs a tree, Jesus sees him and responds to him immediately. And the minute you and I decide that we're not gonna live like most people, and we're not gonna be average, and we're not gonna stay lost in the crowd, God is ready to respond to us, and he is ready to elevate our lives. Do you believe it this evening? I hope you've been helped as we come to a close. I've got a couple of minutes left. I wanna tell you about a former NBA all-star by the name of James Donaldson. James Donaldson played for several basketball teams, and he had a very long career, 19 years. In fact, that's long for any sport. But as his career was winding down, he went to go and play in Europe. And for those of you who don't know anything about basketball, the NBA in America is the pinnacle of the sport. But second to that is something called the Euro League, where many players start their career or they end their career, much like the European football players in the MLS in America. And he's written a book called Standing Above the Crowd, which is kind of funny because James Donaldson is seven foot two. But he's not just talking about height because Saul was head and shoulders above, but inside he was small. God doesn't just want us to be puffed up and look big. He wants to elevate our thinking. 
And so James Donaldson tells a story about how the other American players in the EuroLeague used to stay in a crowd. They didn't want to engage with European culture at all. They would only go to American restaurants and only listen to American music and only watch American TV. And they, they weren't interested in rubbing shoulders with Europeans. But he understood that Europe would give him a new opportunity. It would grow him. And so he didn't subscribe to that crowd thinking, but rather he went out and experienced things and rubbed shoulders with people. And as, as a result, today he can speak Spanish, Italian, and Greek fluently. You see, he rose above the crowd that wanted to preserve culture and keep him small, and today he's a motivational speaker that helps other people to do the same. And as we come to a close this evening, the question is this, do you really want to rise above the crowd? Do you really wanna grow into all that God has for you? Or are you holding on to crowd thinking? Are you comfortable with being most people? Are you comfortable with being common and, and being average? Are you trying to preserve the life you have like those basketball players? Or are you willing to step away from it into the life that God has for you? Bow your heads. We hope you have been blessed and inspired by this message.